Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. It occurred to me halfway through that my introduction might not make any sense to anybody else. That's annoying when that happens. Um, Because it's too late. Here we go. Um, and Because I, I realized that it, it, because of the way that I've tried in all of the things that have been going on over the last few um, months to really thread the needle very carefully, uh, I realized that my, my, like, for example, my Facebook feed is almost equally people who would be considered progressives and on the other side, people who would be considered conservatives, right? And so they're yelling at each other. Uh, and and uh, I'm trying to say, yes, but and have you considered? And then you realize that uh, the reason the peacemakers are blessed is because everybody hates them. <laughs> the, re- the ones who are trying to say, there's a nuance here. Let, can we, you know, <laughs> um, and, and um, has anybody else found that? And it's just, and it's just, come on, people. Have you heard of Prozac? Just relax. Um, you know? And especially uh, most frustrating to me, I think, is that people who I know are genuinely believing the right things about Jesus are just mean in the things that they say and the ways that they say them to other people who believe the right things about Jesus, who are as mean back. It's like we're the Charlie Brown snow fort people. We're just kind of in our little snow forts throwing what we consider to be the word that will change everybody's mind. I don't think there's a single person that has ever changed their mind as a result of reading something on Facebook. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. Check your sources, people. Um, S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. But that said, what it bubbled up for me over these last few days, I alluded to it in in, uh, setting up the table of the Lord, was how easy it is for us to forget, sometimes temporarily, but sometimes for longer periods of time when the volume is so great who we are and what's of greatest importance. You are not first Republican or Democrat, progressive or conservative. You are not first even male or female. You are first disciple of Jesus. You are first image of God. Everything about those secondary things needs to get filtered through that primary identity. And so it was coincidental in some ways, although I don't really believe in coincidences, that when Darren asked me to um, uh, focus this morning uh, that he, uh, uh, in setting up our 21-day fast that is coming up here, um, well, now, really we're, we're entering into it. Uh, that that uh, the primary, when I talk about fasting, the primary way that I talk about it is as a way of strength training for identity. 
strength training for identity. Fasting was Jesus' crossfit of the Spirit, if that makes sense. He, here's, the, here's the verse that I'd like you to look, look uh, and it's gonna, I'm not going to spend a lot of time developing. This is going to be more of a, of, a, of, a, of a lesson than a sermon, um, but this is, uh, I think, important. So as we head into this as a community, you kind of all know what you're doing. Uh, then Jesus was led, so, so the scenario, sorry, let me just set this up. In the previous chapter, Jesus has been uh, baptized by his cousin in the, in the River Jordan. He's heard the voice from the heavens, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? He is, and the spirit comes and rests on him permanently, then drives him out into the desert, it says, to be tested by the Satan, by the devil, so here is that scenario. Jesus then was driven, led by the Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness, to be tempted or tested by the devil. And after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Please notice, after fasting. Then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, and then the ellipsis there indicates, of course, that this is the beginning of a much longer conversation that we're not going to go into. But please notice a couple of key things here. The identity is going to be tested, and it's going to be tested in the crucible where the Holy Spirit drives you out into difficult and, and troubling circumstances and situations euphemistically called the desert. Right, And that desert is going to last 40 days and 40 nights which means as long as it takes. The goal of the desert is not to count down to day 39 and then proclaim the year of your release. 40 days and 40 nights, both Old and New Testament, means as long as it takes. And it is a regular place of, of crucible testing and, and, and refining and primarily what gets tested in the desert, what gets tested in that wilderness season for as long as it takes is whether you can, under pressure, remember who you are. Notice, if you are the Son of God. That's what's being tested is Jesus' grip on his identity, having been driven out by the Holy Spirit, to be tested in this very particular matter. And this happens over and over, over again in both Old and New Testaments. So how did Jesus prepare for that moment in the crucible, if you will? That moment when, you know, a crucible is, is, a, is a vessel that has both heat and pressure, the goal of which is the transformation of whatever it is that's in it. So the desert becomes a crucible, a moment of transformation, a place of both heat and pressure. How many know what I'm talking about? The goal of which is not crushing, but transformation. How did Jesus prepare for that? It says here that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. One of the mistakes we make in, is thinking that the test came when Jesus was at his most vulnerable, at his weakest, i.e., he was hungry. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And then at his point of weakness, kick a good man when he's down kind of a strategy, 
the devil comes to him, the Satan comes to him and tests his grip on identity. The fact is, for Jesus, fasting was not weakness, it was strength. Fasting was not denial of self, it was feasting on God. So he had capacity to resist the, the test and to triumph in it, not because he was at his weakest, but because he had prepared in the, in the gym of the spirit, in the gymnasium of the spirit. Remember how we've talked about these spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices as, as kind of a, a, a gymnasium of the spirit, whereby we train the muscle memory of our soul so that we do and think and behave in right ways without thinking about it. And so the reason I've asked you to think about this with regard to this particular passage is that this is the man of whom we are disciples. We are his apprentices. We are his students. We are his followers. Please notice, Jesus is not all that concerned about what you believe in or about him. He is very concerned about whether you follow him or not. Because it is possible to believe all of the right things and still not have any intention whatsoever about obeying him in one single solitary thing. And G.K. Chesterton is very clear on this. He said, if you cannot think of one thing in which you have deliberately set aside your will for the will of Jesus, you have no good reason to consider yourself his disciple. That's powerful. That has haunted me this week. Because the realization sometimes for me is that I have accommodated to belief in Jesus without any intention sometimes to follow him in the places of discomfort and challenge, right? So how do we in the season in which we are being yelled at and in which friendship is, is being conditioned on adherence to a particular platform of one kind or another. How do we, who are the disciples of Jesus, speak to both parties, know when to speak and when to be silent, when to do rather than say anything, when to let love lead, which is always, and how? Well, that's what fasting is for. Among other things, it's the, it's the, 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 the strength training uh, that pushes back against our, our impulses uh, and, and, and trains us in patience. It trains us in persistence. It trains us in faithfulness when we don't feel like it. Because all of us can be good when we're thinking about it. I expected a little more response <laughs> to that. Because some of you are like, well, I'm not even sure then, actually. <laughs> the trick is, can you be good when you're not thinking about it? If you are not happy and satisfied until you've had your morning coffee, you're not happy and satisfied. You're medicated. <laughs> if you're not kind and gentle, if you haven't eaten, you're not kind and gentle. 
Amen, amen. All right. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? All right. Um, So with that said, then fasting also sets us in place. And all I'm going to do this morning in the next few minutes is walk through, essentially, uh, what is in greater detail on our church's uh, website, garden.church. There is a whole and uh, beautifully written invitation into the fast for these next 21 days uh, that is about uh, inviting us into the very practice of these things. So, 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 so that's the framework. Um, that's the kind of the strategy that we'll be engaged in uh, over these next few minutes. Fasting, then, is one of these disciplines, one of these practices of space creation, of abstinence, the goal of which is the, the breaking up of familiar patterns, the things that we have gotten used to, the addictive structures that we have put into our place uh, so that we know that we're okay and are oriented appropriately, and in which we take false security. And in the setting aside of those things, in the disrupting of those things, the creation of space within which we might come to know God better. That's what, so, so the goal of fasting is not purely self-denial. The goal of fasting is the creation of space and time so that I can feast on God. You'll notice in response to this testimony, or rather this testing rather of the Satan, if you are the son of God, the first one is turn these stones into bread. I know you're hungry. And Jesus' response built out of the last 40 days of not eating is, you don't live by bread alone. It is the word of God that sustains you. Where did he learn that? Well, you know where he learned that. The question is not where did Jesus learn it. The question is where am I putting myself in a place to learn it? If, if every time bread calls to me, I answer, whenever am I going to learn that the word of God is what sustains Now, I wish I had not chosen bread as an illustration because that happens to be my favorite. Anybody else? It's like, I think I'd just rather die without, in in any and all of its forms. Crusty French, pita, it just doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Oh, there's stuff in it too. That's good. That's good. And, and here's Jesus. For By the way, that's not true just of us. Why did he choose bread? You know why? Because it was the common symbol, right? But if, you, if, if, if all you do is take the symbol and make it the thing, you miss the whole point. Fasting, then, is a deliberate action that sets aside our natural God-given normal appetites and says, I don't have to be driven by those. But the deliberate action is important. Skipping lunch is not fasting. Forgetting to eat because you're too busy, that's not fasting. In fact, you will discover, as I have, that if you're busy and, and miss a meal, you don't ever feel hungry or rarely feel hungry. But if you are deliberately fasting you feel like you're going to die. You get a headache, whatever it is, right? Because your brain, most of us are not 
um, hungry when we're hungry. We don't need the food. We're hungry because it's time to eat. We've trained our body in a rhythm that, that, uh, that, that starts to prepare, right? So along about 11, 11.30, it's like, oh, where am I going to get lunch? Right? It's not because you're hungry necessarily, because you had that one and a half breakfast burritos. I mean, you're, you're probably not going to die and, you know, till tea time. You'll be all right, but it's, it's, it's the, the body says, Right? And fasting says, you're not in charge. You're not the boss of me. And it will, of course, the body will push back on that. Uh, because it is this part. Fasting is part of this mortification of the flesh that, that, that says, uh, I, I, I can say no to my body and it and I will both be okay. We ought to expect some protest from our body because we've trained it in a certain way and it will behave in that way until we train it in a different way. Once you learn, uh, the, the, the research on this is pretty, pretty universal. Once you retrain your body over systematic fasting for a relatively short period of time, really three or four days, it no longer makes the demands on you that it once made. It kind of says, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. I, I'm not the boss anymore. I, I, I can live with this. And then it doesn't bother you anymore. Uh, but most of us think, you know, kind of uh, two meals in, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to die. I've got I've to I've get a croissant. I've got to do that right now. And so you reinforce the muscle memory of destruction. Fasting then, however, is not the means by which we deal death to the flesh. This is really important. It's not about willpower. Fasting is the means by which we cooperate with the Holy Spirit who deals death to the flesh. And please notice what I'm doing here. You hear the shift in language, right? Between the body, this physical gift that God has given us and of which we are steward, and the flesh which is that characteristic of rebellion that is housed in this gift, right? I'm going to choose to use the body that God has given me, the platform of engagement. I'm going to use this to partner with the Holy Spirit in dealing death to the flesh, which is the nature of rebellion that is part of the journey for me. And that's what we engage in. It is is the means by which the Holy Spirit uh, deals death. So so the the disciplines are not substitute for the work of the Spirit, but they are ways of partnering with him. So a couple of things real quick. Um, Fasting is not uh, a a way to lose weight. It's not primarily in this particular instance about uh, um, a medical recalibration, although it can be used for that. That's not what we're talking about. It's not a way of manipulating our self-concept. It's not a, a means particularly of manipulating God. Some of the false teaching, in my view, that came up in the, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s as fasting started to bubble back up into the Protestant consciousness, it's always been part of the Eastern and the Catholic Church. The evangelical community, for the most part, weren't teaching solidly on this throughout much of the last century. 
Uh, and in the 50s and 60s, it started to bubble up again. Unfortunately, it had a, a flavor of manipulation. It's like a three-year-old holding his breath in Walmart. I'm going to show God how desperately I want him to do X, Y, or Z. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is about submission, not demand. It's about surrender, relinquishment, not control. So fasting is not about manipulating God or manipulating outcomes. It's not a religious exercise. It's not an end in itself. You don't fast so you get good at fasting. You, get, you fast so you get good at fasting so you can pray, so you can engage God. Some of us, I, yeah, I, I, I hate fasting. It's one of the most difficult disciplines. But there is still yet today no other discipline that I engage in that shapes, shakes up the systems of my self-dependence than fasting does. It just, in a moment, reminds me how out of control I am. And that's why it's important, right? Because it's awkward, because it's difficult, because sometimes it's even painful, and particularly if coffee is involved, for me to participate in this on a regular basis. I have this as an assignment for my classes uh, in, in, the, in the fall, usually. And so as I usually try and participate to some degree with them, in what I'm asking them to do. So this becomes part of that. It's not an end in itself. Uh, and the other thing, maybe just to say this very quickly, it's not the mark of a spiritual person. This is why Jesus said, look, guys, when you fast, don't let anybody know. It, 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 fasting is, is not the mark of a spiritual person. You don't fast because you're spiritual. You fast because you want to be. You're, 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 that's why you're fasting, because you recognize how out of control you are, right? It's not a badge of honor, I fasted. It's like, I'm still needing to do this. I still need to train myself in the disciplines of surrender, right? So it's a way of cooperating then with the Holy Spirit. Primary goal of fasting is very simply that we learn to depend, to feast, on the substantial reality of God, to come to understand that he is our sustenance. I'm very grateful that God has invented food and food with flavor. I think I've told you before that growing up in, uh, in southern Alberta in Canada, um, uh, you all know what I mean by Thanksgiving being yellow and brown. You all know what I mean by that, the plate, right? So it was meat and potatoes, gravy, uh, uh, and, and my mom was a great cook, and, and I, you know. My dad had, however, a single small bottle of Tabasco that was apportioned out two drops, two, count them, at a time into an eight-ounce glass of tomato juice. That was the full extent of spice in our home, apart from salt and pepper. I know, I know. We'll just grieve for my underprivileged childhood <laughs> now, right? So, so, so I, we go to Edmonton, and Jude and I meet there, and we've, we, we uh, discover different variations on brown and, and, and yellow and, you know, pierogies and um, all kinds of wonderful kielbasa. And it, uh, you, uh, okay, uh, it's starting to get on the edge there. You know, 
And then we moved down to Southern California. And we had, we had tried a Mexican restaurant in Edmonton. It didn't go well. Um, so we decided we were, just, we were just not those kinds of people. We just couldn't do this. And finally, some friends kidnapped us and took us to a, a, a and, and, and to their credit, it was an American-Mexican restaurant. Y'all know what I mean by that. It was like kind of a, so we went and, and, uh, and it was like salsa. Oh, there's green and there's red. Oh, dear Jesus. Do you know? And, and, and it just it, it, and unfolded from, and then I, just, I teach at Latin American Bible Institute for two or three years, and I discovered there's not a Mexican cuisine. There's, there's like 75 or 80 of them, and some of them do seafood incredibly well. Let's just pause for a moment for ceviche, shall we? <laughs> oh, dear. And then, and, 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 and then, and then a friend takes me to Thai. You got it. And then, and, 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 and then sushi. Oh, okay. I lost some of you there. All right. N never mind. But uh, now, what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? It's all wonderful. It's all a great gift. And I am so grateful for God for inventing the five or six um, flavor receptors and building them into the creation of the tongue and all of those other good things and the way that, that appearance and, and, and aroma and flavor and memory all work together, right? You walk into a home or you walk into a space and you smell something that can instantly transport you back until you were six years old. How does that work? It's a gift. It really is. And there's not a thing wrong with it until it becomes king. It's called gluttony. Right? And of course, we're just primarily talking about food because fasting focuses primarily on food. But let's be clear, there are all kinds of ways of controlling our comfort level that don't have necessarily anything to do with food. Some of you are still working out your relationship with alcohol, for example. These 21 days would be a real good way for you to say, alcohol is not my refuge. Jesus is. I'm going to learn to count on him. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Um, Netflix and binge watching Gilmore Girls is not <laughs> where I find, especially that last episode. Dear Jesus, what happened there? Anyway, um, so, so, so you, 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 you discover pretty quickly how we hide from things, right? Including our own lives. And fasting in this next 21-day period says, let's stop hiding, shall we? Why? Because we have work to do, friends. We have work to do in the city of Long Beach. The garden is facing some critical decisions about next steps in a couple of key areas, right? We, we have financial uh, concerns that uh, are, are not driving, but they're bubbling up every once in a while as we try and think through this. Um, and, and we follow in this pattern, excuse me, we follow in this pattern biblically, uh, and, and you can see all of these references on the website, garden.church, right, and, and look at the 21 days. But why did the people in the scriptures fast, the people of God? They fasted during times of national and personal crisis. I think that qualifies. 
right? They fasted when they were desperately seeking the Lord. It signals, in other words, an intensity of desire. I'm willing to set aside my normal comforts to pursue hard after God. I think that's the season we're in. It signals mourning over conviction of sin and especially the sins of hubris and pride. We focus so much on the hot sins that everybody else is doing and not nearly enough on the ones that will take you down. Pride and arrogance, judgmentalism and condemnation of others. Can we please humble ourselves before Jesus and say, I'm so sorry for diminishing one of your creation." You don't get to treat people with contempt. You don't get to call people fools. You don't get to do that as a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because the world is not going to be won by people asserting their right. It will be won by people who love their enemies and have become so solid in their identity that they don't think of anyone as their enemies. Well, where do we get the strength to do that? Pray, tell. Fasting is one of the primary ways of strength training for these very things. In the New Testament, uh, it pushes back, uh, old and new, it pushes back against besetting sin, particularly addictive practices. When I'm walking with uh, men or women uh, in who are who are uh, grabbed a hold of by pornography, fasting is one of the primary spiritual disciplines that enables recon, recalibration of the soul. I don't have to do what I want to do. By the way, for some of us, that's news. Fasting pushes into that reality. It's it's it shakes up the systems of our dependence. It's a means of focusing and intensifying prayer. It's a way of purifying desires and clearing the air uh, so we can participate in what Jesus is doing. There are all kinds of ways that you can participate in this. Uh, there's the, the uh, couple of meals uh, in a row uh, once a week. Uh, you, can, you can do that a couple of days if you're able uh, to, to do more than that. Um, some of you may be able to set aside uh, Solid food between the hours of sunrise and sunset uh, and, and have then the one meal a day at the end of the day. Some of you uh, might do a, a, a moderated fast, a, a restriction on diet, like so-called Daniel fast, where fruits and vegetables and, and juices uh, as the primary means of sustenance for these 21 days. Um, I, I will, by the way, if you're doing a total fast that involves water and juice, Smoothies don't count. <laughs> Just thought you'd like to know that. Um, so so, so don't, don't find ways to cheat, right? For some of you, uh, that even, even what I've said is, like, oh, boy, well, why, let's do something like processed uh, foods or sugars for, for 21 days. Let's, let's, all I'm asking you to do is find a little toehold a little crack in your dependent structures and start to let the spirit in to crack those open a bit. Maybe it's chocolate. Maybe for it's, it's coffee. Maybe it's, it's, like I said, alcohol or something like that. Or some of you, maybe uh, 21 days off social media would be a very good thing for your soul. 
right? So, so something like that, or, or commercial entertainments, or, uh, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm aware that with the uh, body image issues that we are so much part of in our, our culture right now, um, there are some of you for whom uh, food has become a primary means of control. So fasting might not be the best way for you forward on this if you've got an eating disorder uh, or something of that kind of uh, diabetic or, or, or hypoglycemic. Uh, it, it might be that your food intake is so carefully regulated. to That's fine. Don't, 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 don't feel you need to go in that direction. But there are other ways of uh, beginning to enter into this. Uh, for example, uh, watching. Watching means I'm going to set aside an hour or two when I might otherwise be asleep to be present to the Lord. So sometimes it's waking up earlier. Sometimes it's waking up for a period of time in the middle of the night. Sometimes it's staying up and not watching TV or, you know, engaging in other entertainments, but really setting yourself before the Lord because we, again, discover how much of us hide in sleep, All right? If I'm rested, then I'm fine. If I'm not rested, I'm not fine. Well, that's cool. But that means, by the way, that it, when, when the wheels fall off, the true character is going to start to come out. So, so let's start to push back on this in some very specific ways. The, the key goal here is not the what, but the how. Set your heart on the Lord. Invite him into the, even the discomfort uh, because we are at a, at a critical, critical season uh, that we want to be engaged in to recalibrate. And particularly, I suppose, and, and I don't think this is just me, but I, 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 we're desperate for him. We need Jesus to teach us how to negotiate the crazy that we're in right now. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.